Welcome to the Grace for the Growth podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Leo. The goal of this podcast is to encourage you on your own growth journey by empowering you to live your life with authenticity, freedom, and confidence. We will get real and raw as we dive into honest conversations about life, faith, business, relationships, dating, healing, and so much more. My goal is that you would walk away from our time together feeling a little less alone, a little less crazy, and a little more brave to be yourself. I hope you will find yourself more compassionate to past you, challenged as present you, and excited for future you. Embrace the story. Welcome the messy of it all. Sit in the unknown. And most importantly, live authentically. So pull up a chair in my virtual living room and let's dive into today's conversation. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of Grace for the Growth. I'm so excited for this conversation today. I have my friend Kristen Miller on the podcast today, and I cannot wait for you to hear about this conversation, about her journey of growth and her story. Krista, welcome to Grace for the Growth. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. So Krista, for our friends who don't know who you are, who haven't met you yet, tell us a little bit about who you are, um, what you do, all of that jazz. What makes Krista who she is today? Yeah. So um, I was born and raised in northern Indiana. Um, kind of went through just what I always thought was a normal childhood. Um, and then the older I got, the more I realized that I actually had a lot of trauma from my childhood um, that I was hiding and bearing down. Um, and then in the midst of all of that, um, I did several years ago, um, back in 2015, um, I decided to get on dating apps and Um, With getting on these dating apps, I thought, you know, this is going to be great. I'm going to meet my husband. It's going to be amazing. Um, And the very first date that I was ever asked out on, um, at the end of the date, the guy tried to attack me. And Mm -hmm. um, I ended up, thankfully, getting away. I learned self-defense in high school, so he was left hurting. Um, but it, it really kind of prompted my journey, um, into who I am today. Um, I didn't, I kind of buried that deep down for the longest time. I was very ashamed of it. Um, I was scared to tell anyone because I had allowed him to kiss me at the end of the date. And that was when it started. Um, And I I felt like it was my fault. Um, And so I did not deal with it until actually two years ago. Um, And through counseling, I found a lot of really great healing. Um, And I actually at that point realized that I really wanted a singles community. And so I reached out to my church and was like, hey, can I start a singles group? And they told me no. (laughs) And they were like, no, we're not a matchmaking service. And I was like, wait, what? And so it really was just kind of a, like, for about a year and a half, I really kind of struggled with that and was like, I don't know what to do here. Like, I felt like God was calling me to something. I just didn't know what. Um, so about 
a year ago, he really started to nudge me. And I was in a uh, group on Facebook that I was really encouraged by at the time in my singleness. And I really felt like he was saying, hey, there's something more here that needs to be done. And this is your opportunity. And I was like, no, like, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to start a Facebook group. Like, I'm not a dating coach or anything like that. And finally, after months of trying to put my foot down and saying no, um, I ended up starting a singles Facebook group for 30 plus year olds. Um, And it very quickly grew. Um, And we are very, very rapidly growing. Uh, We currently have about 2,300 members and it has just been such an uplifting and encouraging community where people can come and really just be themselves. Um, There are going to be those nuances where you have people that, you know, it's not the group for them and that's completely fine. Um, But it, in the the point or at the start of the group the whole point of starting it was because i felt like the church was overlooking singles and i really noticed that impact that the church was having on a lot of my single friends and i was seeing the hurt that they all had and so i finally when i saw in this other group that i was in i started to see all of these 30 plus year olds posting their intros or posting whatever and it got to thinking and i was like okay, I've been trying to hide, like not hide this, but bury this down for the longest time and deny what God was calling me into. And I finally, at one point, it was like one week where everyone that was over the age of 30 seemed to be posting. And I was like, okay, God, you have a sense of humor here. Like I see what you're doing. And so I did, I started the group. I thought it would be like a hundred people. It grew very quickly past 100 people within a day Um, and it has just really been such an incredible community for singles who have been hurting and hurt by the church Mm. that's what I do (laughs) thank you for sharing that and I just appreciate your vulnerability and and sharing a little bit about your journey and and all of that and so I want to um go back a little bit yeah. and and I and you just shared so much that we can unpack um yes. here and and I and I hear a few different themes coming up in your story that I would love to chat more about and ask you more about um one thing is you explained at the very beginning how you had a very harmful and negative experience when it comes to dating um yeah. and specifically some of your very early experiences mm-hmm. with dating and I know that that experience is not isolated. I know that there are a lot yeah. of singles out there that have mustered up all of the bravery and all of the courage to go out of what makes them comfortable and all of that mm-hmm. and they have just been met with either rejection or pain or harassment or abuse or or anything else and so um and and those being some of their first experiences, even if it's not your early experience, experiencing that at any point um, yeah. is very, very painful. So I wonder if you can speak a little bit more, um, however much you're comfortable sharing with, about what then is that like to heal through and move forward and look at dating <laughs> in a different way? Because I know, 
I know that that could really taint your view and that could really um, cause a lot of fear, cause a lot of you name it, all kinds of stuff all around it. So I wonder if you could speak to what was that like to heal? What was that like to give dating a chance again? What was that like to adjust those mindsets? Can you talk a little bit more about that? I can, yeah. Um, So I am very blessed that my full-time job offers um, free counseling sessions through a counseling center that we partner with. Um, I know a lot of people do not have that option um, to go to counseling for free, um, but I, I definitely, I, when I found out about that, I was like, I know that I have stuff that I need to heal from, and so I'm going to um, approach this um, and learn how to heal from this. So. Um, I definitely, I started counseling actually in March of 2021, um, and the day that I started, um, that night, I started to, I just felt really sick, and after a few hours of being really sick, all of a sudden, I was like, I am in a lot of pain, Mm -hmm. and ended up having to go to the emergency room, and the next day, I had my appendix out. Um, that whole night, um, I was in the emergency room by myself. I ended up having my dad drive me to the ER because I knew that I would not be able to. Um, and so (laughs) because it was still technically COVID, uh, he could not come into the emergency room with me. So it's cold outside, like freezing cold. He's sitting outside with his truck running in his truck. And I'm laying in the hospital bed and I have so much anxiety over what is about to happen or whatever tests they do. I had never been in the hospital before. So I was like, just completely overcome with fear. And I remember shivering and um, there is a TV show that I love to watch called Schitt's Creek. And I don't know if you have ever seen it, but there is an episode where David Rose is like, I have asked you for a towel thrice. And I asked them for blankets multiple times, just a little side funny thing. And they came back like, because I was like fearful in my mind, the first thing that came out was, I have asked you for a blanket thrice. <laughs> and the nurse just looked at me and she was like, I respect that. I will go get you a blanket. <laughs> but being overcome with this fear, I'm just like, I am like, like laying in this bed. I am having a panic attack. And I had one thought when I was laying there and I thought, you know, this fear is coincides with my first counseling session where I started to unpack everything. And I thought, oh my goodness, like how is this possible? And I got to thinking about it and I thought, this is the devil trying to attack me and prevent me from ever (laughs) approaching anything that scares me. And like, that was the thing in my mind. I was like, I don't ever want to do anything that scares me. And I like latched onto that thought for so long and laying in that hospital bed that night, I had this thought and I was like, this is the enemy. 
I know it's the enemy. Like, and as soon as I recognized that, I just kind of calmed down and had no fear whatsoever the rest of the time. Um, God really was with me in that moment. And I have seen him show up so many times since then, especially as I started to unpack all of this trauma. Um, I remember in counseling, it really took digging deep down and going back into my life and into my history and figuring out what is the root issue. And for me, it's that I'm unwanted. I feel like I, no one wants me. I feel like no one loves me. I feel like I am not seen. And so once we figured out that was kind of the root issue of pretty much everything in my life and how everything has like surrounded that core belief that I had about myself, I really had to go through and break that down and kind of flip the script on it. Um, I actually went through some, I don't know if you've heard of EMDR therapy. Um, I did go through a couple rounds of that to help um, just for a couple different things in my life. And I, I am a huge advocate for EMDR therapy. Um, if anyone ever has any trauma that they need to, basically what it does is it like remaps your brain and your body's response to this traumatic event. Um, so it used to be that I would talk about my assault and it would send me into a straight panic attack. Now I can talk about it and my body does not really, I mean, it gets a little anxious, but it doesn't respond like it used to. Mm -hmm. And I'm able to talk about it now. I'm able to unpack all of those fears and, um, all of the lies that I believed for so long without panicking. Um, so I definitely, it took a lot. Um, I still, <laughs> to be completely vulnerable, I still struggle with a lot of those fears. Mm -hmm. um, but now I am equipped with the tools to help me get through them. Um, so now when I have a thought that I, <laughs> a few months ago, there was a guy that I was like, I really like this guy. And I, you know, I made the move. Um, I, you know, slid into his DMs, tried to get to know him, and he flat out told me he wasn't interested. And instead of taking that rejection so deeply and thinking, oh my goodness, all men are terrible. They're like, no men are ever, there's no good men left. No men are ever going to like me. And instead of thinking that, I thought, you know what, that's okay, because that means that there's someone out there that I'm a perfect fit for, and that he's going to be like, yeah, I want to get to know you as well. I think you're incredible. And all of these other things. So it really helped me flip that that mindset around of how I viewed rejection and I don't take it as personally. That's huge. Mm -hmm. That's huge. I, th I think there's a couple things that you pointed out. I want to highlight um, yeah. a few things is how our bodies and how our minds respond to trauma. Um, mm -hmm. I, I wasn't really exposed to um, trauma being anything than very extreme, um, like basically yeah. big T trauma, like never yeah. really exposed to little T trauma and the way that our brains and our bodies, they're designed by God to have to keep us safe and to protect us. And so yep. um, a lot of times those fear responses, that anxiety, that panic um, is a is a mental and physical response 
to something that your body has stored. And yes. for me, I so much of my healing journey in in working through that and working through therapy has been um not like not to be punny, but to give myself grace mm-hmm. to to go through those triggers and, and, you know, triggers and trauma, like they're all hot words, but, but I think what's important, I had a, I had a breakthrough moment. I don't know, maybe a year and a half ago or something like that. I had a, I had a trigger to come up between sessions, between therapy sessions. And I remember, um, it was one of those things where it was, it, it happened and it was, I had to work through it and I used the tools that she gave me and all this kind of stuff. And I come back to the next session and she's like, okay, what do you want to talk about? And I'm like, well, let me tell you what happened this weekend. And I like go through the whole entire thing. And it's like this really dramatic story. And it's like all the things that happen in the highs and the lows. And I'm like, so yeah, that's what happened. And like, I'm expecting my therapist on the other side to be like, okay, let's figure out why. And she just said, Mm -hmm good job. And I was like, what? But it like happened. Like this thing is still bothering me. This thing is still coming up. And Mm -hmm. she said, she said to me, part of this work is you learning how to process and how to Mm -hmm. keep your mind, your heart and your body safe when those things come up. And as you continue to utilize the tools to create safe spaces, the the triggers will get smaller and smaller and smaller in their power over time but but this work isn't that that stuff will just disappear like disappear now granted don't get me wrong i do believe in supernatural healing and our mental health and in our body like i do believe that 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 happens i do believe that but very similar to how i do believe that supernaturally God can heal a broken arm. I do believe that you could be sitting there with a broken arm and God could supernaturally heal it. But I also know that a lot of time it requires a cast, it requires doctors, and it requires time. And so, so just a disclaimer for anybody wondering, I do believe (laughs) that, that in a, in a snap of a finger, like that you can, you can be healed from anything that you've walked through, anything that you've carried whatsoever. But I also do believe that there is a healing process for our our bodies and our minds to really to really work through that. And 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 so learning the tools and a huge part for me was um, like disassociation. Like I was so disconnected from my body and I was so disconnected in like not being able to understand where my body was holding grief or where my body was holding trauma that I actually wasn't able to identify and actually wasn't able to work through it. And so over the last several years, it's been giving myself the grace to go, oh, the win is not you have no triggers. The win is do you know what to do and do you know how to process it and do you know how to regulate and do you know how to help yourself integrate safe spaces for yourself? And over time, over time, there's healing and growth there. And so um, I I think what you mentioned, what you mentioned is huge about, about the, um, the process and the, and the tools to be granted um, in that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you made a really good point too. Like you were talking about how our bodies protect us from trauma. Um, And it made me think of, so I have, I'm a proud auntie. Um, I have a nephew who is seven, a niece that is four, and then another nephew who just turned three. Um, And my niece, she recently had 
um, actually a couple different instances where she would collide with a little boy at daycare and they would bump heads and she immediately would pass out. And they, the second time they thought that she was having a seizure. Um, and so they took her to the hospital, they did all of these tests and the doctors came back and they said, no, it was just her body protecting her. It was her body protecting her nervous system. And I got to thinking about that and I was like, that is such an interesting, like just the way that our bodies work, like is incredible, first of all, but knowing that her body like basically shut itself down to prevent anything else from happening, like that's incredible to me. Like it's scary. Yeah. But it is incredible. And then you were also mentioning about how like your like different parts of your body and not knowing like what parts of your body are holding the trauma. And I remember in my EMDR, she would ask me like, where do you feel it the most? And I remember sitting there and there were times where I'm like, I don't know, like I feel it everywhere. And I would like really have to sit and think. And she would ask me again and I'd be like, okay, let me dig into my brain. And so like, I would really dig in and I'd be like, okay, I feel a panic attack rising. So I'm obviously feeling it here in my chest. And so then it was like, okay, like now I can figure out where things are happening. Um, so yeah, so I definitely, I get the, the tools and I'm one of those people now that I actually had counseling yesterday and I went in and like you, Courtney, like I mentioned, all of these things that had been happening. And she sat there, I think she said like 30 words the whole time because she sat there just looking at me like nodding and and I'm telling her these stories and, and then I'm telling her the resolutions that came from it. And at the end she was like, I'm really proud of you. And I was like, but yeah. why? <laughs> and I, she was like, well, look at you. Like, look at how far you've come. Like right. you, she goes, because you have, and a couple of them were issues that have come up in the group and just learning the leadership skills of that. Um, but she was like, she goes, you are in a unique position where you are a peacemaker and peacemakers are never going to make everyone happy. Like you are in a position where you're in the middle and the people on both sides are going to be mad at the decision. And she goes, but on the other side of that, um, they are holding their broken mirrors toward you saying, you are the reason that my mirror is broken. And that's not the case. They need to turn the mirror around and that's what you, that's the position that you're in is helping them to turn that mirror around. And I sat there and was like, oh my goodness, like that's crazy. And I thought about it and I was like, that's so true because my whole life, I was holding a broken mirror up to myself, looking in the mirror saying, I'm broken. When in fact, I wasn't broken, the mirror was. So it definitely, it was just one of those, I definitely related to everything that you were saying. So I'm like, yep, yes. I've been there. I have been there. Yes. I wonder if you could speak a little bit more about that broken mirror analogy, yeah. because I think it'll lead us um, a little bit deeper into our conversation, um, just about just expand a little bit more about what it looks like to be holding a broken – when you say holding a broken mirror, when you're looking at a broken mirror, looking at yourself through a broken mirror, can you expand a little bit what you mean by that? Yeah. Um, so my second ever counseling session that I had with my current counselor, um, I we had figured out, you know, that 
my core like fears were that no one wanted me. No one thought I was pretty. Um, no one thought I was lovable, all of those things. Um, and I remember telling her that she asked me why I thought that no one thought that about me. No one thought those things about me. And I said, because I look at it as, <laughs> and I'm going to use like alcohol as the reference because this is how my mind works. Okay. You have like top shelf alcohol that's like the super expensive, like the highest quality alcohol. And then you have like the cheap stuff on the bottom shelf that, you know, if you want a wa bottle of wine, you go in and you just buy a cheap bottle of wine. You don't buy the like $50 bottle of wine. So I'm one of those people. I have always viewed myself as like the budget alcohol at the bottom. Mm. And I am like the, the budget beauty. I'm not beautiful in the model sense. I'm not like, you would not find my face in a magazine anywhere as like this beautiful, gorgeous model. I have a beautiful heart. I see myself as being beautiful, but I'm not your average beauty. So for that, I really had to kind of break that down from there because she goes, okay, let's talk about why you feel like you are the, the bottom shelf. And I said, because I'm one of those people where when I was when I was on dating apps, I'm not anymore, but when I was on dating apps, I would have guys that would be like, oh, you're pretty. Okay, well, women want to be told they're beautiful. Like to me saying you're pretty is like saying, hey, I like your shirt. Like it does not, I can't take that compliment very well. Um, and so as I was telling her all of this, she held up a mirror and she goes, okay, look in the mirror. And she goes, what do you see? And I'm like, I see a person. And she goes, turn it around. And I, it was one of those obviously two-sided mirrors. So I turned it around and on the other side, the mirror was completely shattered and had been glued back together. And she goes, now what do you see? And I sat there thinking about it and I was like, I see a broken person. And she goes, yeah. She was like, but are you broken or is the mirror broken? And I thought about that and that was like, this like mind blowing moment. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm not broken. I just have been, you know, kicked down and I'm like, I'm not I'm down on the ground. I am mm. struggling to get up. And I'm at the point in my life where I'm like, I don't know if I want to get up. And mm. so that was really what I struggled with. And I had to learn how to fix my mirror, not just glue it back together, but fix it and replace the glass and the mirror all together. Mm. And so now it's at the point where sometimes it does get a crack in it, but for the most part, it is a whole mirror. And when I look at myself in the mirror every morning, I don't stand there anymore and go, oh my goodness, you are so ugly and your hair is a gross color and like your curls aren't doing, like I don't stand there and think that anymore. Um, I used to pick myself apart every day and now I, land, I stand in the mirror and look at myself and I'm like, man, I am a beautiful daughter of the king. And I'm like, look mm. at me. Like, what does God have for me today? And I get yeah. so excited to see how the day is going to play out. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, there are definitely mornings where I wake up and I'm like, I don't want to be awake today. <laughs> and I still have a little bit of a negative mindset. But for the most part, like my my view of myself, my perception of myself is entirely different than what it was a few years ago. Yeah. 
Wow, what a great story. Are for anybody who's listening who who might relate to that, who might feel um similar to how you were describing and mm-hmm. and and desire to be where you're at today. Mm-hmm. That self-love, that not leaning into self-rejection or anything like that. Were there any practical things that you did um or maybe mindset shifts that you that you walked through? that maybe could be a benefit to somebody listening who finds themselves in a similar spot to where you were. Yeah, for sure. Um, So one of the things was, and you hear it all the time, get into your Bible more. So for every lie that you start to tell yourself, find a verse that contradicts it and believe the power of the word. Um, and know that you you are created by a God who thought that you were beautiful as you are. He mm. created you and called you beautiful. He was like, I knit you together in your mother's womb. Like, you are perfect to him. Mm. He is holding you up kind of like a, I'm going to use an analogy of a ceramic mug. He's holding you up. He's looking at it. He sees all of the little imperfections. But yeah, he's like, man, I made that. I am so proud of that. Look at how beautiful it is. That's what he thinks about you. And so I have to, like, I constantly had to remind myself of that. And there are still times where I struggle and I still have to remind myself of that. That's okay. It is completely okay that I still struggle with that mindset sometimes. Um, The other thing I would say is learn to contain. And that, what I mean by that is visually, like in your mind, not visually, mentally in your mind, pack something away. So if you are believing a lie about yourself, like let's say for me, I was believing that I was bottom shelf beauty. So I had to pack that away and be like, okay, I am believing this about myself right now. I'm going to pack it away, put it on a shelf, and I will get it out when I'm ready to approach it. And in the meantime, as that's packed away, every time, and this was a very conscious effort to remember to do, every time that I had a negative thought about myself, I would be like, oh, I can't have that thought because I packed it away. And that was... It, it seems ridiculous, but it worked so well to mm. remind myself that I could not think those thoughts about myself because I had already packed them away and I wasn't ready to get them back out. And eventually I noticed that it was starting to um, really just change my mindset on how I viewed myself. Mm. And on top of that, the other thing is that if someone rejects you, take their rejection for what it is. They are not rejecting you as a person. They just are not, they're saying you are not my person and that's okay. It's okay if you were not their person. And that doesn't mean that you are not their person right now or ever. It could mean that, you know, five years down the road, they will be in a spot. They have work to do too. And that's what I have to constantly remind myself is that, you know what? They rejected me, but working through it and i i'm one of those people that i used to if a guy rejected me again as i already shared (laughs) i would be like i would shut down and i would take that really personally and i if they said hey i want to be friends i would be like no i don't want to be friends and so i would shut them out of my life now every guy who has rejected me is a close friend of mine 
and someone that I admire dearly and I look up to them. There have been a couple of guys that, you know, they didn't want to be friends after they rejected me and that's completely fine. But again, their reaction is not your burden. So Mm -hmm. that's something that I constantly had to remind myself of and it really made a huge impact in my life. That's huge. Their reaction is not your burden. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a huge breakthrough in rejection work is – I don't know if rejection work is an actual term, but (laughs) whatever it is. But in understanding like when you know who you are and when you know your value and you know your worth and you are showing yourself kindness and compassion and self-love and all of those different things, then – I mean, rejection never feels fun, but you do have the opportunity to approach it differently and to and to see it differently and to process it differently and understand that at the end of the day, like I will say at the end of the day now, um, when I experience rejection, it doesn't feel like obviously it's personal, but like it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like, oh, your rejection of me says something about who I am. Mm -hmm. It really just says, hey, like we're not each other's person. Like I say all the time, we're all on this planet looking for our person. And even if I thought you might be an option for me, if I'm not an option for you, like if it's not a two-way match, like it ain't it. It ain't it. And so thank you for giving me the honor (laughs) of saying no, <laughs> appreciate mm-hmm. it, but no, and moving on. Like I, mm-hmm. I would appreciate that more than anything. I've also had guys who probably should have rejected me and did not and continue to date me and lead me on and continue to just drag me through the mud. And I'm like, I wish you would have just told me at the beginning, not nah, yeah. fam, <laughs> like this isn't yep. it, you know? <laughs> and so, and so their rejection, I can be disappointed I can be disappointed that, man, like it didn't really work out. But I realize that now that my disappointment or my sadness or any of my neg- negative feelings in rejection usually aren't because I feel like, oh, I must be X, Y, Z, or I must be not this enough or not that enough or too much of this. Now yeah. my approach is, okay, it wasn't a right fit for him. I thought there could have been something there. And so it's okay for me to experience sadness, betrayal, disappointment. Gosh, back to the drawing board. Like I'm allowed to feel those negative feelings. Um, But my approach on how that affects how I view myself is much, much different now because of the work that I've done. And a lot of that work comes down to that identity piece and how do you view yourself and how do you show yourself kindness and love and compassion? It's so, so, so important. And honestly, because I'm able to sit knowing my worth, knowing my value, knowing that I love myself, knowing that the Lord loves me and has special purpose and plans for me, I actually feel a little bit bolder and braver and courageous in putting Mm -hmm. myself out there in dating than ever before in my life. And that's wild. It's so wild and not in a like, I'm so confident, take me or leave me type thing. But 
I'm going to, I'm going to try and I've got nothing left to lose. Like I might be bummed. I might be sad. I might be like, gosh, I really was excited about that one. But at the end of the day, I still walk away with me. I still Mm -hmm. walk away with Jesus. Like I'm going to be okay. And if it's not God's best, and if it's not a mutual choice, if we don't both choose each other, then I'm okay with it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that we need to realize too, like as, as humans, when someone rejects us, whether it's in singleness or even in marriage, maybe your spouse leaves or, you know, a job opportunity, like if someone is rejecting you, they are not saying, they're not telling you, hey, you're the worst person in the world. And that's a lot of times how we take rejection. And so really just kind of reframing that mindset has been a huge component of my life. Um, because I I remember, and Courtney, the conference that you and I were at last year, I remember in the mingling event, um, I, you know, I dropped it out there and I was like, here's my hanky and with a guy and I walked away and I was like, Wait, what you did have to I explain do? That. You have to, before <laughs> you just keep going on with the story, you have to explain that a little bit because oh. you might just confuse some people. Yep. So there is, <laughs> so there is a term, um, it's actually been around for a very long time, but it was kind of made popular again um, by Heart of Dating and Kate Tomlin, who I love them. Um, but they they definitely talked about um, dropping the hanky and women like, you know, back in the old days, um, you could drop the hanky and if you if a guy was interested in you, he would pick it up. And so at this conference, there was this event where you could go around and mingle and everyone had a different, I think it was wristband. Everyone had a different color wristband. And if you had a certain color on that meant that you were interested in people approaching you. So (laughs) I had been kind of following this guy, not like physically following him, but like I had been... (laughs) Social media following is socially appropriate. (laughs) I had been hearing a lot about him. He had done a little bit of speaking at the conference. um, And I just, I really thought, you know, this guy seems really great. I'm going to make a move here. And so, and I also thought, you know what? If he rejects me, it's completely fine because I know who I am. And I'm never going to this guy again in my life and so I ended up going over I forget how I did it but I ended up going over and pretty much like giving him because they gave us like little cards that we could put our contact info on like Instagram handle or whatever and I ended up going over and like I trust me I like to think it was a very smooth like pickup line and (laughs) did not go anywhere in the end but I remember walking over and like sliding my hanky over there and dropping it in front of him and I was like here you go it wasn't an actual hanky (laughs) it it was was a card with their contact information but it was symbolizing how women back in the day couldn't approach men but still (laughs) need to show they were interested in it yep and I did not physically drop my card. I was talking to him <laughs> and I handed it to him. And I don't, again, I do not, I wish I could remember what I said, but I remember that everyone around us, when I said it, everyone around us was like, oh, 
I'm like standing there and I'm like, this makes it even more awkward. <laughs> but I did it and then I turned around and I walked away and I thought, you know what? The ball is in his court now. And again, it never, like nothing ever came out of it. And that's okay. Like I'm mm -hmm. not holding a grudge against this guy because he didn't reach out to me. Like I wasn't his type and that's fine. Um, but yeah, but I wish I could remember that pickup line because that may have been <laughs> the smoothest moment of my whole life. <laughs> and I'm like, man, some some man out there someday is going to love this pickup line. So, <laughs> but, oh yeah. gosh. Well, if Mystery Man ends up ever listening to this <laughs> and happens to remember that line, right? Um, you don't, I mean, if you want to tell Krista, you can tell Krista, but just tell me and I'll get it to her. <laughs> I'll keep it anonymous. I'll be like an anonymous source um told me that this was the line you used yep. <laughs> we got to find out what it was find out what it was because yeah we're yes. always trying to figure out how to not be corny. Yes. but yeah I think that's that's a huge part of of when you know who you are that at the end of the day it's like man you know I'm just I'm just gonna keep trying and it's and yeah. and just putting myself out there and it's a whole other discussion about how culture this day is so different. And I hear from Christian women again and again and again, like, I don't want to initiate anything. I don't want to start anything. And I'm like, look, I'm not asking for you to like make everything happen and initiate everything and like push, 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 push. But also understand that in a 2023 world and in a post Me Too movement world, well, we're kind of still in it, but in a Me Too yeah. movement world, like guys especially – the good ones, yes. <laughs> especially the good ones are so hesitant to approach and to say anything because the, yeah. we have put such a spotlight on them and there is such a negative rap and like cancel culture is huge and like all this kind of stuff. And so we just – the more that I – work on myself, the more that I date, the more that I do this, the more compassion I have for men out there in the world. It's rough out here in these streets. And so again, I'm one, I've said this on the podcast before, I will never give like, this is how you date. <laughs> I will never yeah. give because I believe that every single person um, has a different way to date that's healthy for them. There's dating yeah. is not a one size fits all whatsoever. Not every option is a healthy option. Not every option is a successful option. You live in different places. You, your lifestyle looks differently. Your personality is different. So I'm very much like not in that. But yeah. what I will say is it's an important thing for people to know about the culture of the world in 2023. And part of that culture is that guys may not just be like straight up walking up to you in the supermarket. It could happen. Don't get me yep. wrong. It could always yep. happen, but it's not happening all the time. And I yes. am constantly in DM conversations with girls that are just like, I don't really want to be on dating apps, but I don't know how, like I just, guys are not approaching me whatsoever. And I'm like, there could be a number of reasons for that. But also just want to remind you, the culture is very different. One, it's not yep. Hollywood. Two, it's not 2018. It's not 2019. It's not 2013. It's 2023. And it's very, very different these days. So I yes. don't know why I just got on that soapbox, but hopefully somebody <laughs> needed to hear that. That like, well, I mean, I guess it ties into the rejection bit that, um, that just you gave the opportunity to give the guy a green light. We're yeah. saying, hey, like. If you wanted to, if you wanted to initiate something with me, I give you permission to do that. <laughs> like yeah. you're not going to weird me out. You're not going to freak me out. So yeah. um, 
I I think that's huge and all of that. So anyways, we are about (laughs) out of time. Girl, we talked. I wanted to say I just appreciate so much your vulnerability today. You shared some really honest and really deep and personal stuff today. And so I just want to honor you and I just want to say thank you for doing that. And I, I pray and I truly, truly believe that somebody on the other side listening to this sees themselves in your story, whether um, they're currently walking through it or they have or they will. And um, I just appreciate you trusting me and trusting this space to share that story and yeah. and to be open with um, your healing journey and the journey that you are on and that you continue to be on. And um, you have such a big heart for people and you really do embody what it looks like to be on a journey of growth and be on a journey of I'm just figuring it out bit by bit. I'm not perfect. I don't have it all figured out, but um, I'm going to be real with where I'm at and I'm going to keep pursuing the Lord and I'm going to keep pursuing growth. And so I commend you for that. I respect you for that. And um, I really appreciate you sharing your story here. And so before I close out, is there anything else that you want to share um, maybe anything that, that you just kind of want to tie a bow on or are we good? I think I'm good, but thank you for all of those kind words. I, I mean, every single one of it. them. And <laughs> my, my hope is that, you know, every time that we, we publish an episode that somebody feels a little less alone. And I truly yeah. believe that that happened, um, yes. through your story and, and helping people feel a little more seen, um, for where they're at and what they're doing. And so, um, I'm just very, very grateful for you. Um, and, and just want to say thank you for your time. Thank you for your story. And, um, I know it's going to make an impact. So y'all, the ways to get in touch with Krista will be in the show notes. Um, You can find her all over the place. And so um, (laughs) if you want to chat with her or if anything that she said stood out to you, connected with you, I know that she would be beyond happy to chat with you and sit with you. Absolutely. I just know that about her character. So um, (laughs) wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Krista, for coming and for talking. And um, y'all, that wraps up another episode of Grace for the Growth. And thanks for listening. Let us know what stood out to you. Let us know. There goes my phone. Goes off. Perfect timing. (laughs) I'm not going to edit that out. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) let us know um, what stood out to you, what impacted you. And um, as always, keep embracing the messy. Keep growing. We got you every step of the way. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Grace for the Growth podcast with Courtney Leo. I hope that this conversation encouraged you and inspired you on your own growth journey and as you pursue a life full of authenticity and freedom. I want to encourage you to interact with us on social media at Grace for the Growth and at Courtney Y. Leo. Also, if you've got any ideas, way that these episodes have impacted you or encouraged you, I want to invite you to either DM us or email us at hello at graceforthegrowth.com. Until next time, I challenge you to embrace your story, welcome the messy, sit in the unknown, and live authentically. Bye-bye now.